Hi everybody and welcome to the very first episode and the introduction to Airfields of Dreams. And the reason I call it Airfields of Dreams is because, uh, I don't know, it's a catchy ring to it, kind of play on words. But basically what uh, I'm going to try to do in this podcast is take a look at uh, Airfields uh, fly to basically one a week and take a look at the, uh, the flying culture there, the history, the ins and outs of getting there, things you might want to know as a general aviation pilot, or things you might, uh, even if you don't fly, you might be very interested. It's going to have a little bit of history of the airfields. It's going to have a little bit of the uh, kind of the uh, nuts and bolts of flying in and out. I'm going to end up with a interview with a pilot. And what I'm going to do there is uh, just pick kind of a random or maybe not so random pilot at the airfield and quiz him uh, what he likes about the field, what he doesn't like about the field what uh, things uh, he would know being stationed in the field that somebody just landing there might not know, what things would be interesting to somebody who uh, um, had never been there before, maybe a non-pilot. Does it have a restaurant on the field? Is the restaurant any good? Do they have crew cars? Can you crash at the FBO? Do they have coffee? Is the coffee any good? Are there any tricks to operating the self-service pump at the uh, airfield? We we all know, uh, we've all been there before where some uh, self-service prompts. There, there's a good number of tricks. There's uh, um, buttons and switches to pull to uh, to get them working, and sometimes it's not that obvious. So anyway, so uh, my name is Hank Roush, and I have been flying since 1990. I got my pod's license at Marine Corps Station El Toro. I was an active service at the time, and got uh, it at the uh, Marine Corps Station uh, Flying uh, Club right there. I, I did it fairly quickly. I just took a, a month's leave and just knocked it out. It took me about 40 days altogether to knock out my pod's license. I more or less flew every day, sometimes a couple hops a day to knock it out. And I, that worked well for me. Sometimes, maybe not for other people it would, but um, it was just very easy. I didn't forget anything just by uh, by doing it every day like that. Since then, I have flown, I just checked my law book, uh, 3,360 hours. And I counted all the landings and everything I've done. I've done uh, landed in 297 separate fields in the United States. 3,360 hours. Oh yes, in 31 states. I've flown uh, across the country a few times, up and down, north and south on the east coast a lot. Staying away from the um, the mountainous states. Um, I've got a little uh, a single engine trainer that doesn't get over the mountains that well, so I tend to stay away from them, but I've been over a good part of the the southeastern U.S., the southwestern U.S., and the, the eastern seaboard, and uh, over to California and Washington State a lot. So that's kind of my background. Um, total VFR, don't have an IFR ticket, just been uh, doing all those uh, 3,360 hours just uh, VFR. I've been based out of Martinsburg, West Virginia, uh, MRB, for uh, last uh, 28 years right now. And uh, the reason I wanted to do this uh, podcast, have you ever uh, landed at a strip and you saw something there, it was like maybe uh, an old revetment, you know, where jet planes used to be stored there, or it's kind of an art deco tower, or it's just a neat cafe, or there's just some artifact, and you think, golly, you know, I wonder what what the story is behind this this airfield. And and that's one of the things I think we're kind of, we're very lucky as pilots in that flying, obviously, is not like driving in a lot of different respects. But one of the ways it's not like driving, you know, reflect upon this: you can drive 
say from where I am near Washington DC to uh, San Diego you know you can do it in three days I suppose three or three long hard days you can drive you can never get away like a quarter mile from the interstate and stay in the exact same type of motel the same uh, chain if, if you want eat the same burgers you know see the same sites you know everything is, is is basically the same you can get off you can get off uh, you know and, and, and drive you know back roads if you want and maybe see something different most people don't do that when they, they drive across the uh, country they try to get somewhere in a hurry well flying a little bit different flying is you're, you're even though you're going fairly fast you know 100 knots 110 knots 120 knots whatever you're effectively always taking the uh, the back roads because even if you plotted out a route say from here to San Diego plan on landing at just class D and class C airfields I almost guarantee you, at least you know, flying VFR like me, uh, at some point in that route you'd deviate and you'd end up uh, setting down in a little field uh, that you'd never heard of before. You know, you speak the language obviously, but it, it almost feels like you don't because it's a very different culture. It's got uh, idiosyncrasies, and it's really kind of fascinating. You know, the, the, uh, flying GA across the country gives you a really good perspective into you know how, how magnificent how wonderful this country is and, and how different things are so I, I guess I want to instill a little about that and, and uh, I've always you know landed at fields like I said I've landed at 297 and counting um, five of those don't exist anymore by the way five, five of the fields I've landed the one I, I trained at uh, Marine Corps Station El Toro does not exist anymore it's been turned into shopping mall or park or something uh, let's see Chapel Hill is dead the uh, developers got uh, Chapel Hill um, I did a job once on Lajitas, Texas, uh, right at the border with uh, Mexico, literally right on the, the Rio Grande. That strip is uh, is gone right now. Uh, where else has uh, disappeared? Uh, Flying W up in New Jersey. I, I did a couple of uh, pilots and paws uh, runs up to the Flying W. That was a, just an incredible field. It had a, a uh, swimming pool shaped like an airplane, believe it or not, the outline of an airplane uh, anyway. That's gone. Tappahannock uh, on the, the Rappahannock River, that's gone. They, they created a new airstrip near there, so it was kind of lose one and get one, but uh, that's gone. Let's see, where else? Let's see here. Chapel Hill, Flying W, Tappahannock, Lajitas, Emory Corps Station, El Toro. Those are the ones I know about. I'm, I'm sure there's others. Um, they're all rich and varied in their own way, and they're, they're gone, but there's plenty of them out there that are like that. And they've, they've all got stories to tell, and that's kind of the, the objective of this podcast. I hope it's interesting. I try, try to make it so. I'll try to follow a standardized format, uh, four sections. The first is going to be uh, the numbers, which you might expect, you know, when you get your ATIS or whatever. It's going to be, uh, you know, the uh, runway length, the number of runways, the width, altitude, location, latitude, longitude, cost of gas, always always very interesting. Um, all, the, all the numbers, uh, tie-downs, do they cost, landing fee, tend not to uh, land at, at airships that have landing fees for little guys like me, but if they do, you know, uh, I'll uh, note that. But, but basically all the numbers. Do they have a crew car is another uh, kind of uh, vital. Second part will be history, and I'll do a deep dive, you know, in, in the time I've got. Uh, tell you a little about the history of the field, maybe what your appetite if you want to study a little more. Some of them have really rich uh, legacies. The uh, airfield that I fly out of... Uh, now uh, uh, Martinsburg in, in Eastern West Virginia Regional Airport, Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia, is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. It was there just about at the inception of aviation. 
and it has some stories to tell. It's had jet fighters flying out of it, uh, Amelia Earhart landed in it, just crazy stuff. I, I've been around for about a third of that history. It's hard to believe I've been been there that long, but I have. And uh, um, I've seen it go, you know, three different types of planes, the Air National Guard Base, since I've been there, and seen uh, a lot of changes here. So uh, that's fascinating to me, you know, the, the history of, a, uh, of an airstrip. So uh, the numbers, the history, after that I'll have uh, kind of a pie rep, and that's where I'll give you my subjective impression of landing at the field. What you know? What's the uh, the runway surface like? Can you understand the taxiway signs? Uh, just what's the vibe of the place when you sit down? Is it one of these turban places where they, you know, look at you when you land with a piston plane and act like you walked in with something on your shoe? Maybe I've been I've landed a place like that. Believe me. Or um, you know, is it is a GA type vibe? You know, can you crash at the FBO? If if you you know, we've all been there probably. If you fly long enough where you sit down and you know there's no way you're, you're getting to or finding a motel that night and does it have a lazy boy or something you can crash for the night and, uh, and pick up the flight in the morning or are you locked out when you're, you're in the rain you know locked out of the FBO that's, that's always good to know um, does it have coffee something I, I uh, look for all the time is does an FBO have coffee do they have a crew car can you operate the gas pump some of them are kind of tricky sometimes do they have a self-serve? Some of that you get out air nav, but air, air nav goes to a point, and then there, there's other stuff that you might be interested in knowing. It's like as if you were talking to somebody and said, "Hey, I've never flown into, you know, RDU before. Can you tell me about it?" And and, and uh, you know, just just what one pilot would impressions of it. And it would just it's entirely subjective. So so there you go. Yeah, the numbers, the history, pyre up, and then the final, we get to chat with a local pilot. And that's where we just sit somebody down who's based out of the field and talk to him and see what his his impressions are. And uh, like I said, all things, you know, talk about like what would, uh, what would you know that an outsider might not know? What would you uh, uh, like to tell people about the field? Uh, what would a non-pilot be interested in or would a non-pilot be interested in? And finally, it all comes down to, yeah, we put him on the spot and we ask him, would you rate this field as a flyover country, or maybe a good stop for a fuel stop, or as kind of a destination, maybe a $100 uh, hamburger destination? So anyway, so that's it. I think uh, it'd be interesting, if nothing else, I, I hope it will be. Next uh, we're, uh, next uh, episode, the first one we're going to start out with is uh, my home field, Martinsburg, West Virginia, in eastern, uh, western uh, regional. and. Uh, Hopefully it'll be, be interesting to you, and thank you for your time, and that's all I have right now. This is Airfields of Dreams. <laughs>